Hey, what's up, everybody? I'm Samir Azizi, and you're listening to Azizi Podcast. My guest today is Nick Grossi. Nick Grossi is the founder of Bridge3. It's a full-service NFT influencer agency, and he's also organizing this cool NFT Toronto conference this summer in Toronto, Canada. Of course, check it out, register. I'll drop the links in the description. Enjoy, everybody, and of course, don't forget to subscribe on the platform that you're listening this podcast on and of course give us a thumbs up and a five star review all right everybody enjoy uh, we're gonna talk about nfts and web3 and just like what's happening right now in the industry in the market and uh, of course you have something something's going on as well so i just wanted to kind of like quickly kind of like get give, get us up to speed like how did you get into the industry what are you actually doing right now and uh uh, what are your current projects as well? So we're going to talk about that. So let's, let's just start with that. Yeah. So I can probably talk about this for, for the, you know, full amount of time, but I won't right. do that. I'll try and, uh, <laughs> I'll try and make some points and, and get through it. But, uh, you know, in July or August, 2021 is really when I found, um, when I found the NFT space in general, I've always been in crypto, uh, back to about 2017, but, uh, I found the NFT space and I was intrigued. Uh, my first thought was, you know, try it out a little bit, see what it's like, and uh, did that. I realized, like, hey, like I'm not a professional trader, mm-hmm. but what I am good with is I like people. I'm good at talking with people, so uh, I found a NFT project and uh, volunteered for them. Mm-hmm. Like, first thing that I did was uh, was find a project that I could volunteer for because I wanted to learn the inner workings of how these things worked. So I did that. I you know got hired as a volunteer onto a project. I ended up building up their community to over like 20,000 people. What was, right, I was about uh, to ask, what did you do for them? But okay, cool. How yeah. did you do that? Yeah. So it was, uh, it was through a lot of connections. It was a lot of networking, um, personal, like personal connections of people that I've already met in the NFT space in my short time. And then also networking with um, content creators was the the big thing. So back then you were able to work with some content creators and everybody wanted to know what the scoop was. So they'd watch these guys. Um, mm-hmm. We worked with them, built over to 21,000 members, sold out the project in 15 minutes. And then they were like, hey, Nick, we surprised you. Here's some revenue from the project uh, oh, wow. you know, for doing such a great job. And I was like, wow, like that is that's more nice than my dope. salary. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was like, yeah. that's more than my salary. I got to I gotta see what I can do in this space. So I was balancing a full-time job as like a working for a marketing agency at the same time as doing this so it was kind of hectic it was working 18 hour days mm-hmm. um you know really because i saw something here did it with another project another payout and then i've had enough you know reserves that i can be like okay i can probably quit my job and take a risk on this mm-hmm. so i did exactly that in january 2022 i quit my job um started to build up my own company which was uh Fun fact: It used to be called OG Studios before it was <laughs> before nice. it was Bridge Three. It was OG Studios at the time. It was like everybody had a studio uh, yeah. in all these companies, and I was like, oh, I gotta be a studio. Yeah. And uh, so, anyways, a bad choice, but it's Bridge Three now. Uh, and obviously, what it is now is a marketing uh, agency, which we you know we use a lot of content creators and a lot of projects that we have in our network. And right today, I think we have over sixty different. Uh, partnerships and then um we've worked with over 260 projects uh in how this you, year how do you like create a, an agency like that how do you create bridge three, three 
where do you start with that? What was like the difficulty for you uh, in this project that you're operating right now? Yeah, so I would say like the biggest thing is just like learning the ropes of being a um, marketing agency, like a business, you know, like running all the back end stuff. Like when you're an entrepreneur and you're, you're a startup, it, the hardest thing is learning all the other things that you aren't good at. So for me, I was good at talking to people and setting up and facilitating deals. But the harder part was just like managing the operation side of things and making sure that we have smooth processes and, you know, mm -hmm. organization when it actually comes to the company side of things. So, you know, for me, it was it was a learning curve, right? You have to really throw yourself in there when you're being this young. If you're if you're older and you have some experience and, you know, you, you've worked with a corporate company for 20 years, it's probably a lot easier. Mm -hmm. I, How old are you? 25. I okay. just turned 25 in two weeks ago, three weeks. Mm -hmm. No, nope, almost a month ago now. But yeah. Um, Time flies. I know it really does. Yeah. But uh, yeah, you know, threw myself in there and, you know, I, I'm come from a family of entrepreneurs. So I'm very much so like aware of the challenges because I have two older brothers that went through it with their own company. Mm -hmm. My father is, uh, owns his own company. So always chatted about it and, you know, quite aware of like how business operates, right. And what you got to do sometimes. So, mm -hmm. so like, yeah. it's funny because you're, you're, you're sort of mentioning operations because I thought you'd say, uh, or like, in, for me, for example, it would be like actually aggregating all those influencers, right. And, and sort of making that deal with each one of them, mm -hmm. uh, to basically represent them because that's what, how I'm assuming you're operating, you're, you represent different influencers and you, you, you sort of like aggregating them and, and then you are, uh, negotiating with your clients, you know, to promote your clients through those yeah. uh, influencers. But tell me if I'm wrong or how, how does the model work? Yeah. So because we're in a different industry and I, and I say that with a grain of salt, because Web3 was at least my experience in Web3 and everybody else around me has been very organic and fluent. Mm -hmm. So building up that network was more about building up relationships with people and having trust and loyalty between one another. Actually, we never actually exchanged transactionally um, mm -hmm. until six or seven months in when I started to have these opportunities for for paid advertisements for these guys and whatnot. And it was mm -hmm. kind of a mutual mutual agreement, like, hey, like, you know, you allow me to use your likeness to market and basically put you out to people, and then I'll in, in return bring you opportunities. Um, and it was kind of very organic. We didn't really have a set like, hey, I'm going to pay you this or we're going to have this set up. It was very organic. And, you know, because I was able to do it that way, mm -hmm. have a real relationship with a lot of these content creators where I can, you know, approach them with different things that I think would fit them. And they're more receptive to it because we have a relationship and it's not just transactional. And uh, content creators, is that your own, like, uh, one vertical? And when I say content creators... Or like when we say that, do you mean like just uh, like video influencers, YouTube, TikTokers and all that? Or do you have like other like um, other platforms as your clients as well? Just just wanted to see like what's uh, what's in yeah. your portfolio. Yeah. So mainly the, the video content creators we have on our website, we have two different sections. There's the content mm -hmm. creators and then there's the um, projects that we actually work with. So the actual IP and brands in the Web3 space. Yeah. Um, the content creators themselves are a mixture of uh, YouTube and Twitter influencers mm -hmm. where, you know, they're either, you know, have large followings and audiences and engagement through Twitter, or they have uh, a YouTube channel where they're posting daily content 
about the industry, updating people and, you know, thousands of people go to watch them. Um, obviously in the infancy stages of the market and, you know, the current market and economy that we're in, right. there's a lot less interest, but they're still like racking up, you know, a yeah. solid amount of views and people loving to see it. Right. How do you see like right now, as, as you mentioned, the market right now is we're, we're sort of like in the bear market in general and with uh, Web3 and crypto, we are also, um, you know, we were trending down for some time now. How do you see the the industry for uh, content creators right now? Do you see like the, the, the average paycheck is uh, is also decreasing or, you know, there's like how is, are, the, are the deals changing now than when it was like during the hype? A little bit, but not really. Um, you know, in terms of what's coming in from out from the exterior. So like what companies are coming in and asking for advertising right now is different and they aren't as, there aren't as many, but the, uh, the pay sizes and whatnot are still relatively the same, right? Because, um, generally most of the creators have their, their mark of what they, what they want to bring in because they have their, they have their costs, right? For the videos, they have content, uh, they have the video editors, they got right. Sometimes some of them have cameramen to pay for uh, all sorts of different things that you can kind of mark under your your expenses as a content creator. And what but, kind of yeah, yeah go on. Yeah, uh, what kind of advertisers are actually approaching you? Like, who are those businesses? Like, what are they? Where are they? I'm I'm assuming like it would be like some crypto exchanges or, but is there anything else that like you you find like interesting in terms of like the business verticals? Yeah, I mean it, it's all the typical ones that you would see. So we had earlier in the year FTX, obviously before everything went down, but FTX was a large sponsorship for a lot of the content creators. Oh yeah, um, quite large. And then after that uh, had been pulled, um, obviously due to the economic situation, we started seeing a lot more, uh, I guess, startup projects and uh, video games. A lot of video games. So interesting. Obviously, a huge part of having a, a game in general is having users so a lot of these video games will come to us and say like hey we want to increase our user base in web3 this is the idea this is the plan and we want to use these influencers to do it so we started seeing some more video games uh still exchanges and you know all sorts mm -hmm. of different types of exchanges like uh, i guess like binance and x2y2 um more nft side of things mm -hmm. but approach about deals about how things worked to inquire and see what they were like right so a little yeah. bit of a mixture but more so the the startups looking to get their audience right with this market right now and like just the industry of cryptocurrency of web3 of just blockchain projects you've sort of committed your life right now to that industry and you're seeing that industry right now is just is rapidly um, like going down and again we know that the market is cyclical we everyone understands that there's a high possibility that we're going to be back on track with uh, with the market and all of that. Um, but how do you feel about it? Like, what's your outlook on everything? You know what? I, because I'm not particularly a trader myself, like I don't, I won't go and trade day-to-day -day markets. Right. Mainly because that's not my area of expertise and I don't want to put myself in too much of a risk position. I have people that update me on it. Uh, some very smart people in my family that you know follow crypto very closely that you know keep me up to date on uh, certain news and, and things that are going on. But I have a general positive outlook. I've you know I'm obvi obviously long on crypto. I've put everything I have into it. I've owned four different companies in crypto industry, so I'm obviously here for the long run. Um, but but I see it. Yeah. yeah. 
I was just going to say, I see like a general like positive uptrend recently. Um, we kind of had that lull in the market uh, and the general economy is very down, but we've kind of been kind of horizontal for a little bit now. We had some good news in the U.S. that came through. Um, obviously, they weren't raising as much as they, you know, as mm -hmm. much as people were feared that they were going to, which caused a, a rally in the markets. Mm -hmm. And there's a few things with like Ethereum announcing EIP 4337, I believe to make usability a lot easier for the average person and uh, crypto wallet safety, which was amazing. Mm -hmm. um, so we're seeing a little bit of a rally right now. I don't necessarily think we're back on track yet, but I do think, uh, you know, by the end of 2023, we'll be, we'll be hitting that uptrend and yeah. pretty excited because that's the, the capitalization period is now like you want to be able to capitalize on low markets. Absolutely. And obviously this is not a financial advice and we're no. not recommending anyone to kind of like trade over anything that we're saying here. Uh, question for you though, um, Nick, as a marketeer, what do you think about marketing cryptocurrency, marketing Web3 projects? Like, do you like, do you agree with like certain trick tactics? And I'm not talking about like, like I would say social marketing or anything like that. I'm talking about like legit, like, I don't know, how do you say it? Like, I think yeah, it's very complicated. and stuff, the, the no, traditional no. approach, right? Right, but like, how do you explain Web3 crypto and blockchain to the masses. And I feel like everyone's focusing on, on all the tech stock. And, and I was always just show them where to press the button to get some of like output, you know? Um, and that's, it's not being done. We're all talking about layers and Ethereum's and staking and rewards and all of that. But like, okay, but for my mom, like how do I, how do I explain to her like why crypto is good? Like why should she use this, this dApp, for example, or anything like that? How do you feel about it? It's definitely, I mean, that's the question everyone's asking, right? How do we get the masses involved in a Web3 industry? And, you know, there's a lot of different ways that people are doing it. Obviously, the the larger exchanges and companies taking the taking the lead on, you know, doing like Super Bowl advertisements, right? Getting it in front of people first, having them ask questions. But I think that we're not there yet. We really need to make that this industry on the on a tech side of things accessible to anybody so it needs to be as easy as you going onto your google chrome opening a new tab and typing in facebook yeah right like that's how easy it needs to be for you to find somewhere to buy crypto or you know mm -hmm. to hold your crypto you need to be able to look at your portfolio the same as you would go to a bank right logging in should be everything should be seamless you shouldn't need to understand the tech or the blockchain to be able to use an advanced uh, use the technology to your advantage, right? So I don't think we're we're quite there yet. I think awareness is great, and that people know people obviously know what crypto is. Nobody really knows what the blockchain is, but they don't need to know that, right? Mm. They don't need to understand the underlying tech. What we need is we need to be putting it, uh, crypto and Web three in front of millions and millions of people, and understanding that this is a system where. You know, you hold the keys, I guess, like it's kind of kind of ironic that you hold the keys to your future and your money. But yeah. like you literally hold the keys to your money and mm -hmm. nobody can tell you what to do or nobody can take it away from you because like yeah. you are literally holding your there keys you go. to your money. You know Nick what I mean? showing his ledger, I think. Yeah, <laughs> right. you are actually holding it. So nobody can take it away from you. Um, I think that's very important part of uh, the crypto ecos or ethos, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, uh, speaking of, you know, NFTs, 
And uh, speaking of Toronto, you actually are uh, organizing something very huge here. And I just wanted to um, ask you to talk a little bit about it as well. For sure, yeah. Um, NFT Toronto, man. It's been, uh, been about seven months of planning so far. And, you know, we're really excited about and it. What, what What's NFT Toronto? NFT Toronto is essentially a uh, Web3 NFT conference. Um but we're doing a little bit differently. We really want to model after the South by Southwest where it's both a hybrid festival and conference. So people can come have fun, enjoy themselves, which is very much so the the aspect of Web3. A lot of people really, you know, um, connect with that and also still educate. So like including the, the Web3 curious people who want to come in and learn about NFTs, the conference side is for that, right? So putting in front of uh, these people, like the best people in um, in the NFT projects space in terms of founders, the best people in terms of security um, exchanges, where to buy NFTs, how to be safe doing it, putting all of this in a room to educate people, but then also going down the, uh, down the street, you know, at night to celebrate with all these new people that you just met. Party. Yeah. yeah, that's right. So. So this sounds really ambitious and especially in this market, aren't you a little afraid that, you know, just like with this lower interest in crypto right now and NFTs as well, just because they've been uh, uh, devalued right now due to the market conditions, I would say like enthusiasm is enthusiasm is not as high as it used to be. And yet you're here trying to organize this and you are organizing this huge conference, you know, in, uh, in Toronto trying to make some noise here. Uh, that's kind of courageous. Like, what keeps mm -hmm. you going? And like, don't you? Aren't you afraid? <laughs> I mean, you can be afraid of a lot of things, but I think that you know my perseverance and ambition to do something great in this space has kept me moving forward. But what I would say is that back in June, we had sixteen thousand people attend NFT NYC. Uh, if you recall, June was probably one of the worst parts of the bear market. That's when crypto we were getting knocked down from three thousand twenty five hundred down to the fifteen hundred area and people were people were down bad at that point right so obviously um that was a very very tough time still had sixteen thousand people show up in new york mm -hmm. to attend an nft conference now i don't plan on having this conference as big as that this year because it's our first year i want to make sure that we can show everybody that we're going to do it the right way and they're going to enjoy our conference more than any other conference out there how many people will come to your conference do you think between three thousand and four thousand people Wow, that's that's huge. That's a large number, especially for uh, for uh, a conference here in Toronto, because we have some some conferences here as well, and, uh, and they've been well established, and uh, they have around the same attendance. I would say maybe maybe more, maybe less. But what I'm saying is is that you're so ambitious about it, and you're so confident, and that's why I'm like, wow, like I really want to see how this goes, and uh, really want you to succeed in that. What is the like difficulty right now? Dude? Like the main difficulty about organizing this. Yeah, I would say the main difficulty is, um, honestly, it's just like a lot of the market uh, in North America is in the US. Canada is a huge market for NFTs, but a lot of the audience that I market to is in the US or, or overseas, right? So the hardest part is kind of the the more the things that I can't control, like, you know, people having passports or people mm. not being able to come to Canada or vaccine requirements. The stuff that I can't control, um, but I'm not really concerned about that. Like our our reach, in terms of our content creators and projects, is you know well over a million people, right? We I like to think of it as 
I have access to the entire space if I need it, right? Mm -hmm. Through my direct network or my external network, I have access to almost everybody that purchases NFTs uh, through through our through our vast network of people, right? So I'm not really concerned because three to four thousand people in my eyes is one one project, uh, a community full of holders, right? And we have some of the biggest projects wanting to come out and throw events at our and in Toronto. That's very very interesting, and I'm and I'm just thinking like, um, just like in general, organ organizing a conference is something that you know has a purpose of networking you know you're you come to the conference to network with other people but also you want to learn something new what would be the main person purpose of your conference you want it to be accessible to a lot of people for example you will probably have a lot of speakers there those speakers like what do you feel like they're going to be like the message for them are they going to bring us something new are they going to announce something for us or are they just going to tell like tell us like oh it's okay we'll, we'll be back they're just going to like promise us a lot of things in the future like don't don't freak out we're still here what kind of um i would say identity will your conference have i really want to follow in the footsteps of e3 uh e3 is one of the biggest gaming conferences in the world and every single year they have the biggest companies and the biggest um, games announce, you know, their next title or their next announcement at, the, at that conference. I want NFT Toronto to resent, uh, resemble that experience for Web3 NFTs. So the largest projects in the space, the biggest companies in the space, they use this time and this stage to announce, uh, you know, their biggest endeavors for the next year. I want that to be NFT Toronto. I want people to come and be able to network with everybody and meet somebody new so that a new business venture starts at NFT Toronto. That's that's the identity that I want for, for our conference. That's great. And uh, for NFTs themselves, do you see it mainly right now as an art thing? Like at the conference will be the art thing. Do you see it as like the main purpose for NFTs? Because a lot of people are also saying like NFTs, like art is just the beginning. Art is, you know, uh, it's just something like as a, you get your foot through the door in, in the door to, to the world of NFTs. But are you hearing any other concepts where NFTs are being useful right now? Yeah, like so many. And that's, that's the one point that I, whenever I try and talk to somebody new about NFTs, the one thing that I always bring up is NFTs are more than the artwork that's attached to the token on the blockchain. Okay. NFT, like non-fungible token, has a, has a protocol, ERC721, right? On At least on the Ethereum blockchain. Um, and that means digital ownership, right? So there's so much more use case for digital ownership than just attaching a specific image to that token. That token represents something, right? The image is made for a reference point to make it easy. Kind of like what I said earlier about making things easy. So that image, the reason that people talk about that image or pictures or art so much is because that's what they can see and that's what they can use with their phones and their, their computers. They can use it as personal identity online. And that's why it's so easy to call all NFTs art or mm -hmm. profile pictures. But realistically, the, the use cases are, you know, there's so many of them. And the Soulbound token that Vitalik did a huge paper on, that can be such a key uh, part of the future in terms of, you know, think about your education, your degree from a university. You can have an airdrop soulbound token that is from a verified contract from that university to say, this person had attended this university and got this degree. This is a soulbound token. You can never move it. 
So in a way, it's kind of like a proof of work, right? I heard about that, meaning like you can bullshit your way through a lot of things these days, right? And no one can double check you, you know, no one can actually go back, you know, and, and check out, oh, did he really work on that project? Did he really go to that school? Well, that part you can't check. But like in terms of the projects, in terms of what did you do, what are your achievements? But now with NFTs, I'm assuming you can just put all of your kind of achievements um on a blockchain, on the chain, and you can certify yourself as in like, yes, I have done this. This is the project that I've worked on. This is the code I've created. Or let's say this is the coffee shop that I worked at. And uh, this is the you know amount of, uh, I don't know, something, coffees I've done and, and all of that. And it's all on the blockchain. And you can put it on, let's say, your LinkedIn. And now you know, like, I put my money where my mouth is. I, I, I did that. And that's, here's the proof. And it's un, it's verifiable. So when a, com- a competitor tries to tell something, right, to claim something, and they will do the same thing, but without the blockchain technology, without the NFT, uh, then all of a sudden you start questioning them because they're not backing it up. It's very much so like, you know, regular business nowadays where you have certifications to say like, hey, you're certified by this company who is allowed to give out this certification. Mm -hmm. So now we know that you're legitimately good at what you say you're good at because you have that certification. The same thing goes for the blockchain, Mm -hmm. right? Everything is there. The other really cool part is, is POAPs. So obviously POAP means proof of attendance protocol. Um, That's another part of NFTs where if you attend something, let's just say you attended a conference or you attended a seminar Mm -hmm. and your certificate is that you've attended the seminar and now you are a certified professional in speeches, Mm -hmm. right? you can receive a proof of attendance protocol, a POAP for short, uh, to say that you were there. And that is your basically your participation medal, right? So now you've received an NFT and you know it's like, I was here at this event because I have this POAP. And the, this so, is the official one that they gave out. Almost game, gamified, right? Like you, you kind of yeah. want to have that achievement. Like you're playing a video Start game. Collecting. and like Yeah. Like PlayStation, for example, gives you achievements for like whatever, getting to that level of the video game or something like that. And yep. all of a sudden, it's just, it, it kind of, it kind of, um, I don't know, it just uh, creates a cloud for you. You know, he has this and that and this. And uh, yeah. consequently, I guess it, it creates um, a reputation, I would say. A better word for that would be a reputation in the professional word, uh, world. And also, uh, I guess cert- certificates are more like broad. But like when you have some, some very narrow uh, skills or narrow events that you attended or something like that, this is where this is like, okay, I want to see all of his NFTs. Based on those NFTs, I will assess this person's skills. I will assess this person's personality or something like that. You know, like what what are their interests? And I don't know. I think this is very, um, it has a potential to be groundbreaking. And Mm -hmm. all because NFTs are right now are our PFPs for now. (laughs) (laughs) For now, a lot of the technology does revolve around people, you know, having startups and giving identity to their communities and um, maybe even video game digital ownership. A lot of it revolves around that. But I think the future is bright as long as we stay on the path and continue to build and obviously continue to work on the security aspects. So not as many people are running into issues and, you know, there's no bad rep in the space for that. Absolutely. Nick, thanks so much for being on this podcast. Uh, how can people reach out to you? How, how, how can they find your company? Yeah. So um, I guess there's a few different ways. The first of which is my email. It's nick at bridge three. That's B-R-I-D-G three dot I-O. There's no E in bridge. Uh, <laughs> the other way is obviously through my Twitter, my social medias. Twitter is uh, Nikki G-E-E 44. Um, yeah, you can 
you find me anywhere online, I mean, I'm here. Everything's on the blockchain. You can find me wherever you want, right? So. <laughs> Fantastic. I'll, I'll add your links to, to the description of this episode as well. And when is the conference, Nick? It's uh, June 22nd and the 25th, um, 2023. It's in Toronto at the Metro Toronto Convention Center. And I look forward to seeing you there too. Absolutely. I'm very excited to attend that conference. Nick, thanks so much. Thank you very, thank you very much, Samir. <laughs>